Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. And if I look at our a panoramic view, sort of of all the episode since we launched in uh, 2019, and think of a guest and a theme, if you will, that best echoes the premise of the Anthony Gordon Show, and frankly, the reason why we launched this podcast. I uh, I don't think that I could think of uh, a a better guest and thesis, if you will, than Joe Ryan, um, our special guest, who in a very short short amount of time I feel has become somewhat of a, a kindred spirit. His podcast is titled "It's Not You, It's Your Trauma," and let me just take a uh, sort of a hundred thousand foot overview, Joe, and I'll tell you why I was so excited. To have you on the show. The catalyst to the Anthony Gordon show in many ways <clears throat> is having done a ton of public speaking, um, dealing with a lot of professional athletes, celebrities, speaking to a lot of millennials, primarily the college age. There was one specific talk that I gave, which really jolted people. And the topic was a happy life is not a pain-free life. And somehow there were a ton of people in the audience that said, one second, we've been, you know, we've been drinking the Kool-Aid because everyone, because pop culture tells us that happiness and life and Cinderella, and when there's a bump in the road, it's either something that you have to navigate alone or you, you know, you have to take something to disguise it. And put on this uh, facade. So it's so refreshing, Joe, to meet and speak to someone who's real, who's authentic, uh, who's had the courage to be true to himself. And I think in our discussion yesterday, what I realized very quickly is that in bearing your soul, I'm sure a lot of our listeners and I'm sure a lot of your listeners sort of vicariously feel one second, this guy must go to sleep at night after all of the trauma and, and the, the dark uh, period of his life, but at this must be going to sleep at night with more and more peace because, you know, he's peeling back the, the onion, he's peeling back the, the, uh, a lot of the pain. And at least, you know, he doesn't wake up every day waiting for the shoe to drop. So <laughs> with that uh, rather verbose uh, introduction, Joe, can you give us, if you will, uh, the listeners and myself, 
just a little bit of context about you, your journey, and I guess how the It's Not You, It's Your Trauma podcast was launched. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Nice to be here. Sure. So, you know, had a uh, middle-class blue-collar upbringing, Queens, New York, Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, shame-based family, didn't know it at the time. Most, You know, yeah. we all deal with shame and it was to keep away from the shame I became, I created a false self yep. for an image that I thought I needed to be to be loved. And, you know, I carried that for many, many years and I kind of lived it out and I perfected it and, um, you know, grew up, got married, had a house. And in 18 months, I had lost everything. I had lost a multi-million dollar business, lost my house, lost my wife, lost my kids half the time and wow. basically walked out with a laptop and a pillow. Oh my and gosh. my whole world was changed because I didn't have a plan B. And so get divorced, get separated, meet a woman. And, you know, everybody's love and pain is relative, right, to your experiences. So I thought I was in love to a certain point in my life. And then I met this woman and we just clicked on a level that never clicked before. And before I finished processing the bankruptcy, the divorce and all that loss, Mm -hmm. we went on vacation. She got hit by a car in a hit and run accident. You know, I found her a couple of hours later in a hospital um, and she didn't know who I was day after day. And it was this rebuilding process for her. And there was traumatic brain injury. So the end up was that anything from her previous life was really hard for her to deal with, which one of those things was me. So that relationship ended and I Hmm. found myself with out my false self role. I failed at everything. She was gone and I just hit the skids and I, I kind of bottomed out. Um, I got very sick with mercury poisoning. I ended up, I was homeless. I had to live in my friend's house for two years. And then one day I was up in the mountains with um, a friend and she kind of pushed me a little hard. And I had this trauma recall from when I was a little boy that I didn't know I had this happen. So just for our listeners' sake, can you explain a little bit what you mean by trauma recall? So when we experience trauma when we're younger, we're not emotionally equipped to handle it or process it. So we kind of close off, shut it off, and our subconscious buries it because we're not able to deal with it. And I had buried this so far that decades yeah. after decades of living and working really hard on myself as far as therapy and, and self-discovery, that it had just come out. And what I had realized was that this was pretty much the core of everything that had led me to self-destructive life and just felt really horrible. So I didn't really know what to do with that information. and. Wow. There was, I was extremely raw. I was extremely vulnerable. I was, felt like I was walking in a daze and I didn't know if I could emotionally handle repairing that damage. So did I want to continue on or not was the question as I sat underneath this tree writing one day and I just wasn't going to let it beat me. And it was just been a slow process back ever since. And I learned how 
to heal, my process has been going into those painful feelings, going into those comfortable feelings, you know, processing them, reliving them, grieving them. And when you go into a trauma recall, it is actually as you are transported back in time to that moment that it was happening, I could feel the fabric that I was wearing. Mm -hmm. I could know the temperature in the room, the, the smell of the house. It was as if I was there. Mm -hmm. And by going there and sitting in that memory for four hours, sobbing, grieving, crying, oh. it was a way of re releasing it and healing it. I had spent enormous amount of energy hiding it from myself oh. for so long that there was just, there was a, a wave of peace, but not knowing what to do um, going forward and how could I face myself and could anybody know this and me survive? And is the reason why later on in your life you were able to have this sort of regressive experience and handle it is because at this point you were obviously had evolved in terms of your maturity and perhaps felt safer and knew that this this is sort of behind you, even if the emotion, it was a raw wound. It, I think it was, that's part of it, but more of it was that I was always finding things to distract myself from my feelings. Yeah. So there was something shiny over there that was making me feel good for a week, a day, a month, a year. I was going to forget everything else oh. and just run to that. There was nothing else left to run to. So by the time, you know, I had... You know, after the car accident with Francine and all of that, I went into this deep depression and I sat for two years in horrible, terrible feelings. And I never thought mm. they were going to go away, but I didn't know how to process them. I didn't know how to work with them. I just kept saying it's never going to get any better than this. So by not having all of these mood altering activities anymore, by sure. sitting in the feelings and getting deeper within myself and uncovering the layers mm that I was at this place where I had no strength or energy to defend myself from knowing it. And when I was pushed into a corner to a very uncomfortable place that was very familiar to oh. this event, it triggered it. And, you know, it was the line that was thrown at me was, this isn't normal, was I was getting yelled at. And at some point I just got quiet and, all of this memory started coming back and I went deep into this feeling. So I just lifted my head up and I said, what happened to me wasn't normal. And that was it. It was like, I discovered it. I, I admitted it to myself. I was able to wow. see it. And then I sat in it for four hours and that wow. was brutal <laughs> to say the least. So th there is no doubt, um, Joe, there's no doubt, you know, someone, uh, driving on the New Jersey Turnpike on the 405 freeway and they cranked on and they listen to this podcast and they're hearing you and they, there's no more auspicious time. We've just come out of a tremendous pandemic, tremendous anxiety. People have lost loved ones. Uh, there's some people who are physically or some permanently uh, having to reacclimate re and they're listening to you and they can hear sincerity authenticity, in my opinion, tremendous, tremendous courage because it's, you know, it's, it's politically um, frowned upon to be real, which is insane, which we we're going to get into. And they thinking, wow, I'm not alone in this world. 
And here's what, here's what they're also thinking, Joe, which I want to just drill down a bit. They're thinking, if this Ryan guy didn't commit suicide, and if this Ryan guy is sitting and having a rap with Anthony Gordon and sounds, you know, he sounds together, I'm hearing laughter in the background, somehow he got through this. And they're thinking, at the end of the day, I need these tools, I need the methodology, I want to also heal. What would you say to not thousands of people out there? Well, you're going to have to be very, very uncomfortable in your own skin. You yep. are going to have to feel feelings that you don't want to, that you've been avoiding, that you've been running from. You have to embarrass yourself to yourself. You have to get into your shame, your yep. humiliation, your pain, and you have to feel it and grieve it. There's a huge grieving process that goes through this. Nobody wants to do this work. Mm -hmm. You get quiet. I, you know, my buddy makes fun of me all the time. He's like, Hey, you want to come out Wednesday? I said, Nope. Wednesday's my night to feel bad. And he's like, <laughs> you, you schedule time to feel bad. And yeah, I would have my kids for five days. They would go back and I would spend the night that they went back. I'd put my phone away and I would just go lay in a dark room and I would feel whatever would come up for as long as I could feel it and stand it. And then I would right. push it just a little bit further. And then I would get a pen and paper out and I would just write about it. And I would Amazing. cry about it. I would weep about it. I would try to connect the dots. And I made this a practice to Which is unbelievable in pain. But most people, you're right, Joe. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure most people, I don't know if they would have the discipline and or the 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 intestinal fortitude to say, I'm going to go back to that place where in here, and obviously I'm just making this up and hearing uh, the voice of my father saying, you absolute idiot, you know, you're going to make nothing of yourself or, um, you know, hearing or seeing the door slam and seeing, uh, another relationship walk out on me and it's painful, man. And the natural, uh, the natural wiring, I think, of people is to, to uh, you know, avoid pain. It, it is. I mean, socially, it's not acceptable to feel bad. You know, yeah. it, it's not. You watch TV, feel bad feelings are wrapped up in 23 minutes before the credits roll. You know, yeah. they don't show <laughs> prolonged depression. Like, yeah, right. it's just not socially acceptable to look bad or feel bad. And society tells us we need to stay away from anything that feels bad, make as much money, buy and consume as much as you can so that you can erase that shame and not feel those bad feelings. And the only way I know how to heal, and I've tried everything, trust me, I've been doing I'm this sure. for decades, is to sit with the painful yep. feelings. For me, I thought I was a mistake. I thought I was wrong. I yeah. thought I was broken and defective. And when you get in there, you realize that you are just human and things had happened and you interpreted and there was conditioning. Mm -hmm. We were born pure and whole 100%. and good and we get tainted along the way. And when you get to that self-hate, when you realize the source of your self-hate as you uncover these layers, healing truly starts to begin because I didn't know what I was hating myself for or why. And when you can get back to that and really see where and why you hate yourself, you can heal. How, how at what age, Joe, did, to use the name of your book, did you come full circle? Oh, um, 
Well, when I wrote it, <laughs> I had just gotten sober for the first time, and I thought I knew what was what, but um, right. I was just in like that honeymoon period, you right. know. Um, it was just the concept, coming full circle, going from a toddler um, to an infant to a toddler, adolescent, young adulthood, you know, adult, old age, and then going backwards to going back to that infant, that curious yeah. child, seeing things from that pure perspective. You know, I, I, I think I wrote that book. It was probably my early 20s. But that was the concept for me was I was born pure and whole and joyful. And there was an eternal source of energy and joy within me. And it got tainted along the way. I have to get back to that. And the only way I know how to get back to that is to go back and retrace the steps and pull away those layers to see how I became an alcoholic, how I became mm -hmm. a drug addict, how mm -hmm. I became a person that all he wants to do is mood alter not to feel good, but just That's, not to feel bad. Just to feel, just to numb yourself because. That's it. I think that what, what you're saying now, which I have no doubt is going to resonate with a lot of people is that many people come to a fork in the road and it's binary. And to the left is neutralize, numb the pain by have a joint, drink half a bottle of scotch, uh, or spend the next two weeks at gentlemen's clubs, option A. Option B, which is, which is obviously treating a symptom, not the disease, or B, which you've done, and what's the reason why I, you know, I'm a tremendous respect for you, and I want to, I'm so pleased that you're on the show, and, and that is B is, at the end of the day, if you keep touching the, the surface, it's not going to, the disease, the, the cause of the shame and blame is going to sit in limbo. It's going to fester and it's going to manifest. You'll never be able to have a healthy relationships and you won't be able to look in the, the mirror and love yourself. So you've done the tough, hard work. And here's what I believe, Joe. I mentioned to you yesterday, for whatever reason in my journey, I think I've been are disproportionately exposed to incredibly wealthy, incredibly famous people. And maybe in the sports world's a better analogy. Nobody becomes a all-star without a ton of work. Nobody becomes an Olympia, a gold medal Olympian. So if people realize it's hard work, why do you think they cannot translate that to say, if I want to be the best person and I want to be at peace and if I really want to grow and not avoid my own shadow. It's going to take work. It, it does take work. This kind of work doesn't get any, any applause. You know, there's nobody sitting there watching me cry and sob and go into these dark places and go, Hey, nice job. That was really good. An excellent you, know? Point. Uh, you know, if I'm performing in a, in a sport or acting or whatever job it is where you get praise for me, that, is just filling a hole temporarily. Yeah. I can have a hundred thousand people email me tomorrow and tell me how great they think I am until I feel it and yeah. own it. It's not going to matter. I mean, my ego, when I first started doing this, it was three months where it blew off the charts and I don't really feel that I'm a guy that has a big ego. You get sucked into it and yeah. it got to this. It's addictive. So people yeah. send me messages, they're making comments, they're telling me how great this was or how much they like that. And it was like heroin in my arm. It was sure. like, so I was posting maybe once a day, 
and now I'm posting four times a day yeah. because I'm, it's an addictive feeling for me. And then you start to realize, wait, nobody's commented. Nobody's like, nobody's, there's nothing extraordinary. Yep. And it was like, now I'm back to feeling worthless. Amazing. So I'm inflating myself through other humans. And when they're not there, I go back to feeling worthless. So doing this work, you have to go into those worthless feelings. You have to feel, I have to feel as worthless as I feel to prove that I am not what I think I am. Got it. So, so this, as you speak, I'm thinking to myself, an exercise that I do with um, sort of in some of the retreats and workshops um, that I've run is to ask people, you know, when we break up after the Q&A, get back in your car, drive back to wherever you live, no radio, no phone calls, it's you in silence. Tell me if you enjoy your own company. And if you don't, we've got work to do. Yeah, that, that's it. Can you be comfortable alone? Can you be content alone? Or does loneliness creep in, you know, for people with outside validation needs, when they're alone and they're not getting that supply, the shame kicks in and then there's a spiral of worthlessness and then they'll sit on their couch trying to figure out ways to get other people to give them value where what we really need to do is feel why we need others to value us so that we don't feel worthless and we can yeah. actually enjoy our company. The reason why, Joe, I think a guy like you is able to hit the spot is you have to be able to say to people, I've been there, I know how it feels, you're going to be okay. You've been there, and clearly you are brutally, brutally honest with yourself and your audience. Very few people have the courage <clears throat> to take the road uh, less traveled. But what you've done is you've taken the stumbling block and you made it into a stepping stone. And you've taken, you, you, you made lemonade out of just a, a situation where it's most people in your shoes, Joe, would be victims for life. Yeah. And I, listen, I played that victim card for a very long time and I played it extremely well. Soon as you stop blaming, the victimhood slowly goes away. That transition was brutal. Because I had no more, I couldn't use it as an excuse anymore. This happened, that happened, this happened. No, what, you know, you're a grown up. Take responsibility for your, own life. for your life. But I didn't know how to do that. I was so lost and so buried and so in victimhood. It was like a warm blanket. I knew the rules. I knew how to milk it. I knew how to spin it. And it's humiliating, embarrassing to, to look back at all the things that you did just not to face your reality. But in the, on the other hand, Joe, I don't think you should beat yourself up. You obviously went through heavy, heavy stuff and the natural, I think the natural proclivity of people, the journey, the, the trajectory that you've been on is, I think, you, I think is few and far between do. And I don't blame people if they spend a period of time looking around and saying, one second, this guy grew up with the most amazing childhood. This guy had, had a few dollars. I had 
you know, I grew up in a dark place. How am I supposed to be in the same rat race as the guy next to me who's got a white picketed fence and a Labrador? It's, it's not a race I want to be in anymore. Um, I chased the dollar. I've chased the status. I chased the power, all of that, you know, because I just didn't feel good about who I was. And I was taught, we're all taught, that if we obtain this, whatever this picture, mm -hmm. social media is telling us what we should become, if we fall short of that, we're a failure. And it kept me running towards something for so long. I mean, my business was successful. I made a lot of money at one point. Yeah. I wasn't happy because it wasn't enough. Okay, I did this amount of sales this year. Well, if I don't do this much next year, well, then yeah. I failed. And there's, when does it stop? When are you, when are you content with yeah. what you have? So would you be comfortable with the following proposition, Joe, is that as a Orthodox Jewish person, here's basically the framework that I, that I come from. He said that um, we don't believe in coincidence. We don't believe in accidents. And that everything that happens in this journey called life gives you the tools and you know the <clears throat> gives you the script and the narrative uh, to become to fulfill your mission in this world and i think and i use the word mission not to sound evangelical but for, for lack of a better word and i think the mission that i think that you have is you the voice and vicariously people are saying one second this guy's walked in my shoes he, he might have slightly different iteration of the script, but they will absolutely hear and realize that you can empathize with their plight and you made a right in the road. I'm sure at some point before you made the right, there were many lefts and there were, but I, you know, instead of, you know, sawing that XDC or if, instead of shooting up or taking these, these mushrooms, this is a guy who took a few lefts in one second he realized that the road he was taking was a bridge to nowhere and somehow did a U-turn and check this guy out. And, and he's able to live on a podcast say, you know, I'm not damaged goods. I am not, I, there's, there's been uh, certain failures, there's a, but I'm not a failure. I'm inside. I'm a pure diamond in the rough. There was a lot of rough. It's a, to me, Joe, it's, that's an unbelievable message because most people have been through the vicissitudes and they've got the hit the curveballs. And instead of being, having the brave and the, and, the, and the authenticity and sincerity of being a Joe Ryan, it's much easier to go to the bar tonight, much easier. It is. And, you know, I, I did that for many decades. I'm um, sure. You know, that's what made you, Joe. It, it did. And I, I believe that, too, that, you know, there was a while there where I was just wallowing in self-pity and, you know, why me and not, why I'd have to have live this life and, you know, why the car accident, why losing the bit, all yeah. of that, you know, and I sat in that for a while. And I think that's, you know, I think you have to or at least I sure. had to. But, you know, you, you make those turns and it's funny because I tell when I coach people, I'm, I'm like, you have to sit in painful, uncomfortable feelings like you have to have to feel For really sure. bad to do it. And the thing is that it's those feelings are there. They're yep. always going to be there unless you address them. And 
you know, if I could drink something and make it go away for a couple of hours, I'm going to do that because it's easy. The problem is, in the end, all addictions fail yep. at some point. There's a turning point where it no longer takes you out of pain. It now is keeping Compound. you in pain. Yeah. And at that point, it's so difficult to get out of it. Yeah, 100%. Was it, for you, was it, um, was it rock bottom, Joe, that, that, that sort of hit it? or I, I've or, had a couple. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Or... or and I'm just, I'm try, I always try and think what are the questions that the audience would want to ask. And I'm, and I'm sort of thinking in my head, I am sure that there's some folks out there that are saying, the reason why this guy didn't go to San Francisco and jump off the Golden Gate Bridge is because he had kids, A, or B, somewhere deep inside. Um, you're, I think you're a very kind person. I think you're a benevolent person. I think you want to help people. Um, and to jump off the bridge might, might be missing the reason why you're here and it might be a cowardly thing. And I think that you've got a tremendous internal strength. Otherwise you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't have been able to successfully surmount a lot of uh, the bumps in the road. Well, I could definitely tell you my kids did save me because there was no way I could have done that with them. Yeah, um, yeah. My love for them is, is greater than the pain of myself. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. But the, no, I get that. yeah. And uh, it would have been an easy out in some respects. You know, I've had suicidal thoughts since I'm like 10 years old. They, they come yep. and they go. Yep. Um, and, you know, just like with the work I do, I do sit with them and I take, I've, I've held them tight to me instead of fearing them at the, you know, at the end when I, when I feel like, I mean, there was a point where I just couldn't stop them. And it's funny, but the podcast started three days after that day. Wow. Um, I couldn't, I just let them kick my, my ass. I let them take me over and I've said, you're not going to beat me. And I don't fear them when they come because I've held them. Um, so there was that. And I feel what was the other part of the question. I'm sorry. I lost. No, 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 no. The, what was the reason why you didn't end it all? So some people are probably thinking he's got kids and, and, I'm sort of thinking to myself that deep inside, perhaps there's a part of you that thought that's the cowardly way out. And you, you, there's, there's a reason why you went through all this feces in your life. Uh, you know, the only thing that I answer I can give, I mean, the kids are part of it, but many people have children kill themselves. That's true. There's a part of me that I didn't, was not in touch with that loves myself. Yep. I have trouble accessing that part still at times. Um, that muscle is getting stronger. Let me ask you on that note, Joe, when I say yeah. to you, and if I say to you, I think that what you're doing is courageous or authentic. I think it's sincere. There's a lot of people, you know, who listen to this, who, who know me pretty well. I, 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 I have a lot of blind spots, but I, I don't need another friend. I'm pretty comfortable with who I am. So there's no reason for me to be saying that to you. Do you so right. do you think I'm saying that to you? You're hearing a hallmark platitudes, or do you think I'm being genuine? I don't know what the motive would be for me to try and endear myself to you. I mean, yeah. So now, now we're getting into my insecurity. Um. <laughs> and, I, and I'm doing it because I want to, you know, I want to get a sense of, of your headspace. Cause I, I know that you are the proxy of a lot of people. 
So this is a hard question to answer, and I find it difficult to answer it, and people call me on it, but I have trouble seeing my value in this. I have a lot of trouble. I get a lot of positive feedback. I get Mm -hmm. a lot of emails. I have a lot of happy clients. Mm -hmm. For me, when something is difficult to do, I give myself the fair amount of credit. When something comes natural, which this is probably the only thing on this earth that comes natural to me, I don't see it as a big deal. And I have trouble seeing my value. I don't feel like you're inflating me. I feel like you're genuine. I, we had a great conversation. Great. I feel like we are on the same level in Without so many. And um, I, I am appreciating it. And to be honest with you, when we hang up, I'll soak that in a little bit more. <laughs> But um, I don't see the value. And that's why mirroring humans is so important. The feedback that I get keep, does keep me motivated. It does Joe, tell me, me if I'm on right track. So let, me say, so let me say this, and I'm saying this because I think you're a good guy. Of course, it's coming naturally. So does this for me. I'm, I, you know, I'm very comfortable on a microphone. I'm very sincere. But I believe that this is why, one of the reasons why I'm in the, on this planet. But Joe, for a person like you, of course it comes natural to you, but how many people have the courage uh, to be, to bear their soul, to be raw, to say I screwed up? That's, you've got you to give yourself credit where credit's due, buddy. It's, I'm, it's, work, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I think, and, and that's why people say, I don't know, I'm not privy to your, your inbox, but I'm sure there's a lot of emails that you might be privy to or receive where basically people are saying, Joe, thank you for articulating everything that I'm feeling. And, you know, I felt like I was alone and a complete idiot and for having the courage to represent all of the quiet people that are suffering in silence. It, it, I, lo- I love getting the emails, you know, the, even the ones that are just people in pain that they feel comfortable enough yeah. to share with me. I appreciate the positive feedback, but I have to own this. And, you know, we were talking about social media yesterday. Yeah, yeah, well, I want to like, put it for you. Yeah. I feel a very, I'm getting pushed in a lot of directions to produce more, to work with the algorithms more, to keep yeah. people on my page more. And I don't want to do that. Because you feel that's contrived. It, it is, and it's, it's definitely, it definitely is. But also, I feel competent in this area. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel competent in most areas in life. So if I want to create this safe little bubble for me and mm-hmm. recreate like my family system where I have a role, mm-hmm. I will do this all day long, but I will not be living. So what do you mean? Say, what do you mean by that? Joe? You'll do this all day long because this is, I can see, I'm looking at your body language. I can see you comfortable. I can see that this is natural. You mean you won't be living because you could do this day in and day out. And are you saying that because you have, you've got to put food on the table and, and how do you monetize the fact that you've got a message or. I, I mean, don't be a slave to social media. Yeah, you yeah, know, okay. Have a got life it. outside of the screen. Um, I don't want to be posting five times a day. I don't want to be looking at my face on the camera and just mm-hmm. constantly recording. Like I want to live yeah. and enjoy life a little bit. And, you know, even the way, all the interviews that I've been doing that have been coming my way, this has been genuine and organic. I see that. I have sure. not been 
it's attraction, not promotion. Like I need to feel comfortable in my own skin. And the more I feel comfortable with what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, I can more genuinely accept the compliments when I feel I deserve them. Yeah, I'm going to try a very tough, uh, try this on for size. And I'm, um, as I'm yeah. speaking to you, I just, it dawned on me. Is there an internal struggle, Joe, within you that says, on the one hand, I definitely know I'm helping people. I'm the voice of thousands of people living lives of quiet desperation. And that makes me feel that I'm fulfilling an important role in this world, A. Or B, how can I be capitalizing and leveraging the dark side of my life and milking it and, and commercializing it by now using social media um, algorithms? It's a, I mean, I, I don't want anybody to sit alone and suffer and I care. No, I, know that about I care you. That's deeply. Very clear, I care very clear. It comes too across, much. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, it comes across that. That's very clear, clearly. And if I was in this for the money, you would see me posting five times a day. You would see me on a thousand podcasts. I, I I'm selective yep. with, with where I speak and, and yep. how, I live. I want a life outside of this. I can't be trauma guy 24 mm -hmm. seven. Like that's not a full balanced <laughs> life. I'm not going to mention names for obvious reasons, but I, I have had, you know, one-on-one -on -one discussions, meetings with, without question, the biggest names in the, in the self-help, whatever space, I won't mention names, but I was extremely, extremely disappointed in a, meeting that I had with a world-renowned certain personality, I don't think this person was genuine. It was about the dough. And that's clearly why I think people are attracted to someone like yourself, because I, I, I think it's completely organic. I think that it's, I think it's very sincere. I've chased the dollar. I've made I the dollar. That. The dollar has made me miserable. I had told a friend of mine a couple of years ago, or more than a couple, I said, I'm going to have to learn how to live happy poor before I make money again, because I don't know how to do it any other way, because I've, I've, I've ruined it the first time. I, 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 well, isn't it true to say that you had to go through that to realize that's a hollow victory? It is. Success is not in the dollar. And it goes against everything that we see all day. I yeah. took a walk in Central Park at lunch today. I had the greatest time. I've spent zero dollars. I was in nature. Yeah. And I just was enjoying people watching. It didn't take anything. There was no applause for me. There wasn't I was doing a great job. There was no yeah. it was just it was just being and if this was five years ago, my head would have been racing to how do I make more money? How do I get more status? How do I get more power? How do I get more control? And it's like, there's no peace. Yeah. If you, I, I truly believe if you, if you follow your heart, you're going to struggle for a while until you find your voice and you become comfortable. But the money will follow if you 100%. follow your truth. It's the if you treat yourself in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that I tell you why I, I, uh, I sincerely think <clears throat> that you're different, Joe. And I've had a, again, you know, spend time with people that you would know. And the, there's a lot of people out there that are saying, how do I position brand and market myself so that I resonate with people so that they're going to buy 
you know, schedule one and what, what do I do to push them to buy the schedule two? And can I, what's the, what's the price point? It's BS because at the end of the day, they get phone calls and say, you know what, uh, Mr. Mr. Motivational speaker, you pulled in $3.2 million. And Oh, by the way, out of the people who bought your book, 27 committed suicide. I don't think they hear the, the 27 part. They couldn't care. It's all about, and that's, yeah. and it's very clear to me. And let's pivot for a second because the social media, I've studied it. I've been through the space. You and I discussed it. There's such an insidious part of this entire generation, Joe, of people out there whose entire sense of self-worth is directly correlated to responses and artificial virtual friends. And if there's time goes by and they don't get this reply, that's how they're starting to define themselves. And it's and I don't think they realize it. You realize at least you've taken the drone and you've looked down and said, this is freaking insane. It, it is insane. I mean, look how easy it is if I'm a teenage boy, right? I can't really go out and get a job and buy a Tesla and a house and anything, but I could have success by pushing fingers on a glass, piece of glass that's going to send stuff out in the atmosphere. 100%. And we, we start measuring ourselves versus followers and likes. We don't even know these people. What does the number matter? They should er eliminate number of followers and number of yeah. likes because it doesn't matter. 100%. It's, it's hard for kids. I mean, we grew up, there was no internet. The phone was bolted to the wall. There was no call waiting. Yeah. There was nothing. These guys, they're growing up with it, and this is normal. I saw a girl in Central Park, a teenage girl, for 45 minutes setting up her camera with a timer and then going and doing different poses. And I'm like, there's a lake. There's ducks. Like, <laughs> exactly. You just spend 45 minutes trying to get the perfect picture to put on Instagram so that you could watch people like it. What happens when that runs out? You got to keep upping it and upping it and upping 100%. it because it's a drug. It's a hundred percent. So what's your, what do your kids feel though, Joe? What do your kids feel? They've got to believe. I mean, I don't know. I think Joe, I'm, I'm a pretty good reader of people and I've got a pretty highly sense EQ and I'm looking at you and looking at the body language and I'm seeing a spark in your eye and there's a smile. I've got to believe that in the last few years, you found your voice, you found your calling, you went through a freaking nightmare of a, a walking, living hell, but you've come out the other side and you're better, not bitter. And I believe, and I'm not, I have no crystal ball and I'm not any prophet, but I'm an intuitive person and I've been around. I think this is your calling. And Thank I think you. that I honestly believe this is your calling. And therefore, by default, this will, this will put food on the table. I'm not saying you're going to be on the Forbes list, but it's going to help a ton of people. What do your kids feel? What do you think they feel? I don't know if you had a discussion with them about, hey, my dad, um, you know, he went, through a, he went through a field with a bunch of landmines. And, you know, a lot of things blew up around him. You know, somehow he got out alive and wow checking him out and so the one hand i'm so proud of him he's so real i know i can feel his love and is there any part of you or that thinks that they're saying how does my dad bear his soul to the world man um well they're, they're maybe, teenagers. So it's an unfair question <laughs> they're, the fifth, they're maybe... teenagers so i don't think they listen to anything <laughs> right, that so i that's... say or record or write <laughs> that's a good um, redeeming quality they, I don't think they've ever listened to the podcast. I don't know okay. if anybody in my family ever has, um, to be honest with you. 
but um, they're teenagers. I'm their dad. I'm an idiot right now. Yeah, um, that's you know, true. they're just, they're kind of living their lives. They, uh, they don't fall into the social media traps and not trying to get a lot of followers, which, which makes me happy. Um, you know, they, it's just, they're, they're growing and they're, they're separating and it's painful for me, but, and every yeah. ounce of me wants to shame them into spending time with me because I'm needy and I love yeah. them and I miss them, but I, I have to be like, go live your life. So we don't talk, very don't hard. talk about it. They don't ask about it. And when all of it was going on, they were kind of young. And I, I think I shielded them from it for a while when they got older, I think they started to say, hey, we're not living in nice of a house as we used to. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I think it started to slowly creep in. So I, I don't know. I mean, we have a lot of love for each other. We get along really well. Um, I think that they're just pretending I don't exist on certain levels. And the podcast is one of those levels. <laughs> but, uh, but you feel the love. I mean, you feel that and you love them. And it seems like you giving your children a very different way, the very different start to life than, than you did. And that is a huge victory. Yeah. I kind of parented them the way I felt like I wanted to be parented. Yep. And, um, you know, I overcompensated in some areas I'm, sure. I'm paying for now, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure. but overall that was, I kind of parented them the way I, I felt like I would have wanted to be parent with love, care and understanding and, and being there and showing up and holding space and, just knowing that no matter where I am or how far or how close I'm always there and beautiful. they know that. And I know they know that. So that gives me a lot of peace. <laughs> that's right. That's beautiful. And the fact that you can, that you realize that someone who's been through what you've been through can easily fall into the trap of, of holding on to them too long because it's a, I see this with people because um, they start, their kids become their trophies and they become their, they vicariously live to their kids. And the, and the definition, you know, of a successful parent or teacher is to make themselves redundant, empower people with the tools to go out and have a successful life. It's very hard, but it's very selfish to guilt them into, you know, into, into hanging in the nest too long. It is. And it takes a hell of a lot of, you know, self-discipline not sure. to do it. Yeah. I have to be honest with you. I no, struggle I'm with, you. with that still. I'm like, I, know. I haven't heard I, from you in five days, man. What happened? I, I, <laughs> it's amazing though, Joe, because I'm telling you a lot of parents feel that, but you can articulate that. It, it's your, your natural instinct is to grab and hold on to them. You know, you've raised them, you sacrificed, willingly yeah. gave up so much and, and offered up everything that you could and you think it's going to stay that way forever. Then all uh. of a sudden, like girls show up and your son's <laughs> gone and, you know, your daughter runs in her directions to <laughs> exactly. and all that. And you're like, wait, I'm still sitting here alone. We're not doing anything together anymore. Like this. And they're like, yeah. God, we got, we got lives to live, brother. I'm yeah. like, all right. Fair enough. And hundred percent. So let, let me, let me just get a, a broad sense of what do you, how do you, the average week, how do you spend your time? I mean, I know this coaching, this is a podcast. Um, it sounds like you're involved also. What I see on your website, some beautiful photography. What's, what's the real focus of um, your vocation and the balance between the reason why your soul's here, which is, I think, to help a ton of people, but living also being pragmatic and being practical because, you know, you got to pay some bills as well. 
Yeah, um, an average week. You know, I, I write when I feel, and I That's just beautiful. put it on a piece of paper, and those will be my Instagram posts at some point. Um, the podcast, I was forcing myself at one point to put out one a week, and I didn't like how that felt. So now I put them out when I feel yep. ready, which is one or two a month. Yep. And part of that is I hate writing show notes and artwork and social media posts, so I kind of procrastinate a little with it. <laughs> yeah. Um and um, the coaching, you know, it's I try to keep it to three days a week. I have a limited number just because I don't want to burn out because yeah. it's heavy. It's it heavy, heavy work, you know, talking about a lot of seriously uh, traumatic events and For people sure. processing their emotions. Um, and I, you know, I grew up, you know, my base pay was is I'm a technology. Uh, I do programming and support and podcast production. So that's kind of my... Um, my day gig for income with that. And as I'm transitioning over into the coaching. So in a perfect world, Joe, what, what would you like most of your time to be focused on three, five, seven years from now? I would like to have somebody write my show notes for me. Um, <laughs> I would like to speak, go around the country and speak. Um, yep. I would like to continue doing the podcast. I would okay. like to get to a book at some point. Yep. There's just too many things right now that um, can't be moved unless time passes. They, mm -hmm. just, they need to be cleared out in a, in a timely manner. So just I would like to keep, continue speaking. I would like to speak live all around the country yeah. and write write book. And I would just love to keep helping people. I enjoy the coaching tremendously. I love seeing the progress in people. I love when people, you know, stop beating themselves up and stop hating themselves for 15 minutes, you know, to smile and, and, and enjoy themselves. It's, it's very rewarding. And, you know, it, the mirror back to me is, it's a validation for the work that I've done that I'm able to hold that space and guide somebody through it. Um, I, I, I find that really rewarding. I like interaction. I, I like live speaking versus the podcast. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't gauge, you yeah, know, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm talking like to air. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the same question is if you had to give an 18 minute TED talk or the premise of the book, what would it be? What is the unique message that you think that you could impart based on the pretty rough journey that you've been on that you think would help tons of people because i have no doubt that a lot of people could benefit i think the it's the commonality of family systems and roles we play in family systems and how that fits into a society system but the family system and the roles that we play in it is what people identify with most mm -hmm. i will talk about an experience that I had and people be like, I never saw it that way. I would never been able to articulate it, but it feels that way. And we don't talk about it enough that, you know, a family system, we don't get to experience autonomy or independence. We share emotions. So yeah. one person may get 90% of the anger and then the other four have to divvy up the 10% of the anger. So yeah. anytime I get angry, I'm shamed for it. I cut that off. I don't allow myself to have my anger, which is my protection. Yeah. So people start to see their roles in the system and how it changed them and how we live, try to live up to what the image that we were taught we have to live up to. And we get tired of that. Mm -hmm. I can't be what I was supposed to be for that system. 
And I feel shameful staying in that system because I didn't live up to those expectations. Right. So I have to leave that system to figure out who I am without it. So I think it would be, it would be kind of that family system roles as would, would be the TED talk. I think that. Firstly, I relate to that completely. And I think that because I'm in the position where I speak to a ton of people when they're away and their guards are down, I think the message that you relate is, which I speak about as well, is how exhausting it is for people to be a hamster on a treadmill, uh, perpetuating an image because pop culture, social media, the person next door is saying, this is acceptable, uh, this is cool. And yet when they're true to themselves and they're authentic and they're sincere, when you speak to people in a moment of weakness or in a moment of truth, they'll tell you when they really are authentic and they're at, that's when they're at peace. Mm-hmm. And that's when, they, and that's when they're, they're in the zone because that's who they are. When you're real and genuine, you don't have to protect, hide, or cover up anything. Yep. You're just you. The problem is we don't value authenticity. So it's really difficult being authentic in a fake world. There's nothing that feels more shameful than being yourself when everybody else is being fake. Uh, you know, I think you're 100% right, Joe. And yet, when, when I, I can just say from first experience, when I'm speaking about things and I know I'm being sincere and genuine, I had tons of people come up to a podium after I spoke with somebody and say, just thank you for articulating what I was feeling. Because people genuinely, they connect with sincerity. There's just so few people. Joe, there's not that many people, I think like myself and like you out there, because it's a much harder, it's um, you, uh, somewhat of an open book. But I think that ultimately, people like you and I, I think, have a much more genuine, a much more centered, um, and it's a less exhausting life. It's very peaceful compared to trying to live up to something that you aren't at your core, that's not a part of your being, that you have no desire to be. I like helping people. I like helping myself. That feels right. Punching keys into a spreadsheet, I feel there's, I'm adding no value to the world. I'm adding value to my bank account. Yeah. I can go on better vacations. I can, but I don't feel like I'm helping mankind at all in that role. It's amazing how we have tremendous similarities. So here's what, I, you know, what I'd like to uh, ask uh, all, all guests as a, as a wrap up, if you will. So there you are, Joe, 95 years old, <laughs> big cake comes out, 95 candles and uh, your significant under to your left, your kids are grown up, married, and grandkids around. Your uh, good buddies are there. Boom, microphone goes around, and everyone's sort of saying a few words about Joe. What, 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 do, you want, what do you want them to be saying? He cared. He was available, and he was there. And he always tried to be the best version that he could, not only for himself, but the people around him. That's absolutely beautiful. Thanks. Absolutely beautiful. And I'll tell you this much. I've done this with, I don't know, 40, I don't know how many guests, many, nobody, nobody has said uh, when the curtain's starting to come down and I'm looking back at my life, nobody is, says, I wish they would stay. They would say, it could have just been a bigger car or what about that villa in France? It's just unbelievable when, when 
when reality kicks in and when people are forced to realize that they, you know, we all meet our maker, the people, you know, separate the, the wheat from the chaff very quickly. Yeah, no, you're right. You know, as we get closer to the end, you know, you hope that the things that really truly matter in this world become, you know, first and foremost, and yeah. the trivial things that we're told are important, take a back seat. Yeah. Where, where can people learn a little bit more about you in the podcast, Joe? Because I think the reason why I started the Antique Gordon Show dovetails with a lot of your message. I too, obviously, am about helping people, um, trying to make sure that people are not continue drinking the Kool-Aid. And as we discussed yesterday, spending money, they don't have to buy things that don't need to impress people they don't like. So if you could share with our listeners your, you know, your URL and, and uh, if people want to get hold of you. And, and I think that, that that's thing, uh, I think a lot of our listeners would, would potentially want to follow up. Yeah, it's my full name. So you go to joeryan.com. All the links are there. Um, I'm mostly, I spend, I don't spend that much time on social media, but if I do, it's usually Instagram mm-hmm. and uh, it's at Joe Ryan on Instagram. So, let me, let me close by saying this, Joe, in a world um, which is so much smoke and mirrors, where um, there's so many people that are sort of on this you know, rat race of trying to impress other people, it's a very, very genuinely refreshing thing to meet you know, someone who's done the hard work um, and who has the authenticity to say, you know, I'm not yet a finished product. Um, but you know, I've taken the road less traveled and I'm really sincerely hoping and praying that a lot of people will, um, you know, hear this episode that, that will resonate with, you know, the, with the things that you've said. And I genuinely wish you tremendous success, John. I think you're, there should be more Joe Ryan's in the world. You're a good man and deserve Thank good things. And, and I mean, it. <laughs> there's no, there's no agenda. I'm not going to hit you up for anything. <laughs> that, I, re- I really appreciate it. That was very nice. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And I have a feeling that our paths will no doubt cross. And I think there's uh, hopefully we can, you know, be, with, it, with uh, the two of us doing certain things, maybe the product can be bigger than the sum of the parts. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks very much, Joe. This is Anthony Thank Gordon. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.